Here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain. I would like to thank my supporters over at patreon.com slash bsmpod for continuing to support me and what I'm doing, as well as all the lovely listeners and viewers. Thank you so much for continuing to tune in. Now, before we get started, Takano, I have to do an aside here. This is for Wheat and the rest of the Melee Stats Discord, because y'all don't seem to understand. This... Do you see how small this chair is? Look at this chair. This is a kid-sized chair. This is what I use because I don't have a desk. I am using a coffee table, hence the need for a small chair. If I was using a regular-sized chair, I'd be looking down. And I don't want to look down on everyone. I want to, well, I don't want to look up either. I'm trying to do that even eye level because we're all equal and love is love or something. I don't know. Okay, so Ticano, Ticano, now that we're all out of the way with that, let's intro you. You are the person who is helping out Alston Melee Bay being the more or less the, the editor-in-chief and making sure that their content becomes crispier and crispier by the day. Although, although Alston Melee is taking a bit of a break right now, I know that you also do freelance editing, so we'll be sure to make sure that the people know where to find you, all that good stuff. But firstly, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me. It's, I'm not going to lie, it's kind of unexpected, but it was like... I don't know. It was it was after the the smash trailer thing, right? Yeah, and I would say the other thing is I've wanted to <laughs> anyone that I see doing smash related things, I want to mm-hmm. interview them for the most part. So I'm a little bit selective, I guess, because I don't or think I'm... I can truly talk to the tens of thousands of people who are active on Twitter and talk about melee, but I want to try to get <laughs> to as many of them as possible before this is all said and done. I I mean, look, I've been to be honest, like this this little the BSM podcast from the sidelines, out from the outside in, I I feel like you've always been in the peripherals. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's someone else is starting a new podcast. That's fine. That that makes sense. They're getting a few like popular names on, and then I look at your list over time, and I'm like, oh god, this guy's interviewing everyone that I've ever known in the history of Smash that who is still like on the interwebs, and it was. It, it was it was something it was something but you know i'm really happy to see what you're doing because uh, i've tried to do my own podcast stuff in the in the past and it, it's it's not i don't know what it is the energy I, I don't have it i don't have what you have you're you're correct dude so i super respect what you're doing speaking of melee through a lens when you had watch on because that was your podcast right Oh, yeah. Yeah, I listened to that. And that's when I first wanted to ask you onto my podcast is because I was like, oh, that's cool. This Takano person is doing Melee podcast stuff. And I always love seeing that. When Squid the Cat started his podcast recently, I asked Squid the Cat on. So we'll hopefully get that to happen at some point. But it's just stuff like that, you know? Love supporting the other people doing Melee stuff because the rising tides lift all ships. And also, I don't know. I guess I can answer some questions now. At first, I was just excited to talk to anybody, but I guess you're right. I'm almost (laughs) 140 episodes in now, so I can can technically give a little bit of advice, a little bit of something. Well, you know, obviously appreciate that very much. I... With with, um, Millie Through a Lens, I kind of slipped the ball on that, to be honest, because... Well, so I'm sure you felt this before when you're trying to get kind of, I don't want to say a theme, but when you have an idea, yes. right, you want to stick to that idea. With with Melee Through a Lens, how it originally started, the very first episode was actually Sora uh, back in 2020. And I asked him about 
the scene, uh, new players. How do we grow the scene and stuff like that? And he was he was he was really down about it. But how I originally wanted to start was because I wanted to give a voice to Australian melee specifically because back then, if you don't know Spud, you don't know anyone. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's like Spud was kind of the face of Australian Melee, and that was really funny because we always say he's he's New Zealand, a little bit different, but you know we kind of claim him whenever he does good. I don't know. It's it was it was it was something like that. I wanted to make like more of a voice, but then episode two, uh, I somehow got hacks to talk about the box, and then after that, I kind of like I I lost it. I lost like the original reason, and I just started trying to get like big names on there. Which is like why I thought it was like oh, hacks. Then watch. I need people. I need people that like you do one search. People will know who these people are. And I'm like, by the time I get to the end of episode three, which is the watch one, the most recent one, I was like, wait, what am I doing? What what happened? What, what what like what was the original reason for this? Where's the Australian voices? Where is uh, like what's the reason for this podcast? I'm just interviewing anyone who can have anything big to say now. Yeah. Which is like there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not why I started. I just, I don't know. It was, it was a weird moment. And then I just, I'm, I haven't given up, but I just kind of decided I'm not going to put like a schedule or anything on it. I'm not going to like set expectations on it. If I have something I really want to talk about, I'll find the right people. I'll talk about it. I still want to do Australian sided content, but it's, it is what it is, you know? And I love that you want to continue to provide a platform for Australian voices, especially ones that have played Melee for as long as Spud or, or longer, because I almost said Sock. Whew, mm-hmm. Because there, there are a lot of cool players that are out in that direction. And I was just talking to Purple Pear Adam, who's up in Hong Kong, and we were talking, mm-hmm. and he's saying, there's these so many cool players out in the Philippines, and... Hey, I'll oh, just yeah. connect you to a few of them. I'm sure some of them would love to come onto the podcast. So when I had Garfield on, who is a puff player from mm-hmm. not Melbourne, but uh, out in Australia somewhere, it's a big country, <laughs> uh, out in Australia somewhere, somewhere. Garfield was, was really happy to we'll talk first of all, but also said, it's great when we talk about people that are not from the United States and to a lesser extent, mm-hmm. Europe, it, you start to just grasp at straws because Melee is usually in a place where people play games and are gamers, but it becomes a lot less sparse. It's not as highly concentrated as it is in the United States or in Canada or in Europe. Oh, yeah. So the challenge then becomes, okay, maybe we have 20 or so active players in a given time from week Mm -hmm. to week. Maybe we have one or two online events. Maybe I can find somebody on unranked in a relatively fast amount of time depending on what time of the day you're trying to do it maybe i can do all that but there's there's not a lot of international awareness or visibility for your region so australia although becoming a little bit more of a popular region thanks to sora and sock and other australians coming over during the smash world tour finals and also smash summit 12 being on ludwig's stream i mean when Ludwig was doing top 12 and that was Sora, Josh man with Ludwig talking commentary, everybody's super, uh, super Australia up, Australia pilled in the chat. Everybody's super excited. It's like, Oh, Sora's on. This is awesome. No, not yeah. slime, but of course it has to be slime. Otherwise mango would have held out, but all that to say, <laughs> it's really cool because when you get opportunities like that, 
with someone like Ludwig, I realize it's not yeah. the same for someone like me, but when someone like Lud Ludwig's doing that, it really helps. But in general, I love the idea that you play melee, it doesn't matter where you are, you're automatically a cool person. I want to talk to you. That's how it is for me. Mm -hmm. uh, like, so I'm just going to say, you mentioned Sora and like kind of the chat become Australia pilled. First of all, I, I don't know how else to explain this in a way that makes sense to people who have ever interacted with Sora. Sora is the best person we could have if you wanted the entirety of, Aust of America Australia pilled. <laughs> like, I'm so happy that we sent him over because, um, you know, as much as I, 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 I'm Spud's a great personality in his own right, but he's a bit more reserved, a little more quiet. Um, he, he, when you think of Spud from the spectator point of view, right? You think of his Marf. You think of how he responded to certain things. I don't know how many people got to know Spud's personality through the screen. And frankly, that's not something you can say with Sora. Sora exists on screen and he's <clears throat> just, he's just, I don't know how to explain this. He exudes this like radiant, I don't want to say sunshine. It's not sunshine. It's just this strange energy that it's just like, are you okay? Like, have you lived and breathed melee along with like seven other drugs? Like, I don't know how to explain. Like my first experience of Sora um, that I've ever like, so I'm not from Australia, technically speaking. I grew up in Malaysia and I came to Australia for university and now I've moved here, right? Very cool. So, yeah. And so I, I, there's this, when you grow up in a place that has no scene, I don't know how to explain this. It's, there's a, there's a gap, a mental gap between the spectator and the people on the screen. You don't register that these are people that are just they're just people yeah right Sora, Sora is just a person he's funny as shit but he's just another person and so when i came to australia for the first time i saw him in grand finals at the biggest tournament at the time was spud versus sora i believe it was bam nine right and i'm just like oh my god this sora person's really good and there's this gap and you don't expect to see him <laughs> three months later i'm at a house tournament down literally five minutes from where i live Sora just walks in like like this <laughs> tiny tiny apartment. I'm I'm talking like the room behind you, it's probably like a third of the room behind you. Wow. Yep. It's yeah. It's a tiny apartment. Uh there's like a couple people on the balcony that are like on a bong, right? It's just <laughs> it's it's that kind of place and Sora just walks in and he's just He's tall as shit. I don't know how to deal with his presence. And he teaches me dash dancing for the first time because that's how bad I was at the time. I didn't know, like, I didn't know the basic function of how to bait with dash dancing. And I'm just like, dude, you don't have to do, you're like, probably at the time he had to create, it was already established. He was the second best player in Australia. And you're just teaching this absolute nobody how to dash dance. I was like, so, I don't know. It was, it, it was, it was a different experience. And then, you know, obviously he gets on the setup and no one can touch him, right? It's just, it's su it's such an interesting way of just forcing into into your face that is like a person's good at the game, but he's absolutely just another guy to chill with. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's really, I, I got sidetracked a little bit, but I'm, I think it's really good that we sent Sora over because he just exudes the love of the game more than anyone else I know on on, on a high level, on a high level. Right, sure, because I might love Melee, but I'm not good enough to actually play Melee in any capacity. So 
then you just do a <laughs> podcast and that's all good. And I'm happy with that. So you were talking about getting into melee and even having Sora teach you ta- dash dancing. So I'm interested in when you actually started to get more into the game because it sounds like Australia was your introduction into melee. Is that true or how did it go? Um, I had an interesting introduction into melee because basically what it was was in 20... I want to say early 2015, I actually chanced across a couple of GR Smash videos and... I, I played Brawl when I was a kid, when I was 2008. I, I, I feel like 2006 to 2008, all I did was play Brawl on my classic controller, like with the Bluetooth connected to the Wiimote. Ooh. It was all I did for, for two straight years. I played no other games. I was, I was, it was just me and my brother, and it was, oh, what was it? It was like Fox Pit or something. I don't know. We weren't competitive. It was, we, we never shielded. We always spot dodged. I don't know. It was a fun time. But anyway. So when I came across the GR Smash videos, I was like, oh, what's this? Um, I haven't seen Smash content in a number of years. And the way people were moving, it was uh, like, I, don't, I can't even, I couldn't even name all the players at the time. Like I would see West Ball's move and I had no idea who he was. And I'm like, okay, I don't know Melee. I'm pretty sure I just have to accept that Falco's reflector doesn't kick outwards like it does yeah. in Brawl. Yeah, but but I'm pretty sure Falco's reflector doesn't let him exist in the air for two frames and then magically warp to another platform and then side B platform cancel. And I didn't know what these terms were and people were screaming. But the energy, the energy was so ridiculous. And then, and so by the time the Smash documentary came out, uh, I actually watched the GR stuff first. And then the Smash documentary kind of drifted across my timeline. I'm like, I'd watch that. I did. It was great. Mm. And and I think, I, I don't know how to explain this. Over time, people have found a lot of ways to pick the documentary apart and just say, look, uh, that wasn't okay. That wasn't cool. Blah, 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 blah. But I think that's just a side effect of be, something being so popular for so long that people want to be the guy that says, you know what? It wasn't that good. <laughs> like, to be honest, I kind of feel like that's what it is. Because you can't really say that that's not a really beautiful piece of storytelling. It Was was it the best edited? Like, no, dude, the, the guy cut together PNGs to, to make scenes work, which is yeah. resourceful, but also, like, you're not going to get that shit on TV. Um, But I don't know. I, I, I think people under, underestimate, like, how difficult it is to tell a story without the right people he found the right people he pieced it together so so i for the record i came to university here for filmmaking my, my filmmaking is my degree it's very my, nice yeah and i just I like i just graduated right Ooh, congrats so, thank you but thank you but we learned about documentaries there and what i learned i i don't know something flicked a switch i love documentaries now and i don't just mean smash documentaries i just mean right like, the form, the form yeah it's general. like yeah it's like if you were to create a film and if you were to create a project that's like it's like making a dish in a kitchen you go out you buy the ingredients and you know exactly what you want and you, you might see an ingredient on the side and you're like oh wouldn't, it, wouldn't that be interesting if i added that in but that's what it is it's planned where like a documentary is like a refrigerator raid like <laughs> let's you see go what we in. got <laughs> yeah you go in you're just like I've, I've got these like i don't know dumpling skins for some reason i've got fried chicken eh, why not toss it in i don't care like i just 
I've got mayonnaise. It, it probably won't work. Oh wait, it does. Yes, it what, does. What you're trying, what you're trying a, to do. I got a food item first. for you when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> True. What what it does to you is basically you go in and you try to piece together something of what everyone gives you, and what people give you is great. Like usually, right? There's always a way to spin, even frankly, like more like quiet or like direct information-based people. There's always a way to slip them in in a way. And and the moments that you get through the cracks when you interview someone, I'm sure I'm sure you've felt this. You've done 140 episodes. You know what this is. Yeah. Where it's like someone starts, and at first they're like, "Oh yeah, uh, this is what I do." Yep. It's very informational-based. It's very direct. But as you talk to them, the cracks start to open and what they start to give you is real human emotion. That's the good stuff. That's the stuff that it's like, if I can get this into my video, if I can get this to, to the people, this is what's gonna send people over the edge, right? And the moment they get over the edge, that's, that's what happened to me. That's how you get people into Smash. You set up stories, you tell them what it's all about, but you also tell them what people are in there what what people have experienced because no one cares about the video game if they if there weren't the right people in it and i i think you know that's that's something we'll talk about later with like slippy that's something that's changing i think so a couple of thoughts that i have about the documentary i i know and i observe the things that people say about the documentary all these years later it's coming up on its 10 year anniversary it'll be october of next year 2023 since it originally came out and was available for the masses i'm sure we'll have to come up with some cool way to celebrate but yes of course for Mm -hmm. the way that it was put together and everything else you can go back and say, well, I, I can find some things wrong with this, or maybe there are th- things in there that shouldn't be in there. But Absolutely. I think what comes through and what always will come through with the with the original Smash documentary is that Samox was able to take different kinds of people and weave a story that made sense to everybody watching it. And mm-hmm. they are also taking a game that a lot of people love, that a lot of people have nostalgia for, and very easily, fluently connects it to a higher level, that there are indeed people who love this game so much that they're willing to travel across the United States to travel the world to play, and here are their oh, yeah. stories. So it doesn't matter if it's poorly edited, because the source material, if you will, is just so excellent. Mm-hmm. I love the fact, even though at times I wished Azin would have let himself be interviewed, I love the fact that we never hear from Azin himself. I love the fact that Isaiah, probably yeah. one of the one of the people's favorite episodes, you know, don't get hit, is <laughs> where you don't see him talking to with Samox. You just hear him mm-hmm. and there's anime pictures and you're you're yeah. all of a sudden you're leaning in because you want to hear what more he wants to say. And you're also observing. I don't know how many people observe this, but one of the first times I watched it, I even clocked the fact, wait a second, Salmox is letting Isaiah land where he, wherever he wants to. He gives a few prompts, but he waits and listens. And that's one of the first places where I realized, oh my gosh, people who interview on tonight shows or or on the red carpets or in general are really bad because they won't let the person talk. Now I will force my point here to Kano. I will talk because my podcast, you will have your turn. Don't (laughs) worry, but I'm going to the part where the emotions come through, like you said. And even if the editing's not super great, even if you could say it might be 
do for a remastering where you scrub a few things here and there. I love what Samox did because, like you said, it captures more than just, this is a really cool game. It captures a feeling. And that's what gets people to do all kinds of things because we are very much an emotion-filled society, person, humanity, all that stuff. We love those kind of stories. And Samus got to tell so many cool stories, got to let so many cool people tell their stories. And I think it's lightning in a bottle, that documentary. Absolutely. I I, I think, um, I don't know. Like, and, and let's be real. How many documentaries did we see before that? And then how many documentaries did we see after? Right? Like that alone is telling that it's just, it's inspired a whole legion of people that just said, hey, you know what? We're actually, yeah, we're just, up prior to that we were just gamers hanging around the hall, big halls and playing games but like when you look at something like that you realize no we don't we we have stories like i don't know how integral how important it is to explain to people you don't get people into the scene if you don't have stories you straight up don't like you'll you'll get a couple of people like if i explain to my coworkers who have no idea about smash right about <laughs> like the depth of the game like, you think they're going to give a shit? Like, they, they probably is going to sound the same as, like, if I were to tell them about go-karting or tennis or volleyball, right? It's just like, oh, yeah, there's depth to it, I guess, and you got to practice. Like, that, like but, but that, it doesn't sound any different. What, you, what gets people to hook on and listen and join in is when they have a, a, something bigger to join into, right? Not necessarily a narrative, maybe a few narratives, because... You've seen the melee, uh, the melee stats videos, those, mm -hmm. those little fil like films and documentaries that mm -hmm. put together. Let me ask: yes. Like, are any of those true? Are any of those narratives? Well, kind of, because 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 someone put a video together. Does bananas and Michael have a rivalry? Uh, I don't know, but the video put together, so we now we feel like it is right. <laughs> I don't know. I just I feel like there are lots of prevailing themes, and I could create a narrative. Um, of what I wanted. So I'm not sure whether you know, on my channel, there's a little Slippy related documentary that's kind of meant to be for the masses explaining what Slippy is. It's called Rolling It Back. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great video. Prior to that, well, I, I appreciate that. But prior to making that, that, that was actually my final film for uh, university, by the way. Um, Ooh, I submitted nice. that as my final. Yeah, I submitted that as my final assignment. And it was going to be something else. And like that's why I have strange feelings about that video. Because it could have been Spud versus Sora as a film, like actually, like actually recorded on cinema cameras and shit. I would have loved to do something like that. But COVID came in and I had to make do. Um, but all I'm saying is like, is there a storyline between Spud and Sora? Like between you and me? kind of like if Sora got really close a lot of times he never made it I would have liked him if, if we caught a moment on camera that would have been cool but we'd never know what would have happened but right. that, like I was forcing I was I was reaching I was forcing a storyline right but that's how you get people interested because when you when people come into Australian Smash and if you came into Australian Smash for the first time and you say I only know Spud and I know he's really good um who else is around well you wouldn't care except to see the people that he's beating down, unless someone said, oh, well, Sora's been in, nipping at his heels for a long time. He's getting better and better, and soon he's going to go to the U.S. and get even better, right? If you, no one told you that, you wouldn't know anyone else, and you wouldn't care. But 
that again, I guess this all loops back into into giving people voices, I guess. And it also allows you to show why you love being able to tell stories through Melee because you've made those videos like you're talking about the Roll It Back documentary, great. And then mm -hmm. even with Austin Melee, when it comes to collaborating, it's awesome to hear, first of all, collaborative stuff. I mean, in order to have somebody come on, you have to at least show a little bit of initiative in there to do the team player type stuff. I appreciate you coming on, by the way, Takano. But you, <laughs> no you, you get approached by Austin Melee or you approach them and you say, these are the cool things I've done. And they say, okay, you're cool. So let's go ahead and work together. And the yeah. top 10 low tier mains or low tier people, uh, mid tier people, the, uh, mm -hmm. I'm mixing up the tier titles together it's a real shame because i was just watching it today in preparation for this i no worries. i know that one of the joys that you that you have in making anything around melee is finding a way to tell a story so i love yeah. that that hearing how important it is to you because it makes sense it, may, it i would have guessed oh i think storytelling is a big part of what you like about working through melee with because it's a fun game but also you get to tell a story you're fulfilling two different passions at once i guess oh yeah like look if if anyone who knows me at all knows that it's like if i'd rather be better at uh like i, I think i take a different role is what i'm trying to say if i if i wanted to be super good at melee and i still do i i don't know if i could do it like i i, I see people I, I don't know if you probably felt this and these i have lately like from a competitive standpoint from my own personal standpoint i love playing the game but it, it does make me feel a little i don't know i'm not jealous but when you see other players that are just like hey he started at the same time as me and now he's like in contention for the best top like top 10 in australia mm, sure. and i'm just like, <laughs> like that's that's things that's things <laughs> like i i still have i still have the competitive drive dude i i I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I don't try to put this on myself too much, but I do think I'm a little bit of a slower learner than most. So mm -hmm. I, it stings. I still want to be good at the game. I don't know. I, I, it would be so much easier if I could just put it down and say, yeah, I just vibe and play games and, and, and I make content and content is how I spread my love of the game. I'm like, no, I want to play the game, dude. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm I'm not gonna go into that. We're not we're not getting salty on stream, but I'm you wanna you wanna hear a funny story? You wanna hear a funny story? So Chape from South America, from Chile, I just interviewed Chape oh, yeah. and he says to me, like his story of getting good at melee first began when it took him a couple of hours to learn how to do a wave dash. And when I say a couple of hours, he repeated this again and again. It took me that long to do my first wave dash and I was trying and I was trying and I couldn't do it. And I'm thinking to myself mm. the whole time, this should take you like five minutes tops to wave dash. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. asking you to wave shine peach 10 times in a row, then finish with an up smash. And that takes mm -hmm. you a few hours. That's reasonable. Mm -hmm. Or actually <laughs> that would be too much for me, but I would be able to <laughs> wave shine, wave shine, wave shine, up smash. But wave dashing, is that one of the easier things, you know, you just, don't do it in a match. Just go into training mode and just, just work out the timing. Yeah. But Chape is a great player and three owed spark at smash world tour. And you say, well, how do you just get oh, to yeah, there? there. It, yes. The slower, slower learning stuff. Maybe it's slower learning here and there, but here's something else that I will say. 
I first found out about competitive melee in 2006 because I'm on YouTube minding my own business and I see a suggested video of Ken versus PC Chris at MLG New York 2006 and I watched that and I go oh my gosh but I gave myself excuses and and just would not go to tournaments because I'd be like oh well I'm too young oh I, I don't know I don't know. My family doesn't really <laughs> like me playing video games. Maybe they'll hate me if I go to tournaments. I don't know. Gee, I just, ooh, now I'm married. I probably shouldn't pay attention to this stuff. Now I have kids. I should really not pay attention to this stuff. But in 2021, <laughs> I was like, screw it. Went to a few locals. That was fun. Started the podcast. Very fun. And yeah, I suck still. But it's fun to be competitive. <laughs> even if I understand I have so much work to do, if I ever actually want to be relevant in terms of melee stats throwing a shout out to pennsylvania and saying you know cypher's getting pretty good finished 10th in the local pr or something it's going to take so much work to even do that but i don't know we'll see we we, we will see and i you know certainly hope if, if you're you wait hang on you're telling me you went to your first tournaments in 2000 like 21 yes it took me 15 years to know about competitive melee to actually doing the thing that's that's kind of awesome. And if you're telling me that you're fringe PR already, let's go. No, 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 I'm, no, I'm, no, no. I am not fringe down. PR already. Slow down, <laughs> slow down, slow down. I am not. That's what I'm saying. Even now, I am not. Okay. It's, oh, if I it see, takes me 30 years to actually get good at Melee, then so be it. That's what I'm trying well, to say. <laughs> well, I'm rooting for you, dude. I'm, I can't wait to see you on the PR in 2051. <laughs> I'll pay off my mortgage and I'll be PR'd in the same year. Oh my gosh, injected into my veins. I'm so down to watch that. Yeah, so um I'm first. so I'm I'm happy to hear that you sort of it captures it captures all different kinds of people. Like you said, somebody will be mm -hmm. interested in how technical the game is, or our friends mm -hmm. at Melee Stats, they're really interested in the lore and history of the game and the players mm -hmm. who have played each other especially in less popular regions, because it's not by accident that that, that the uh, Liquipedia Smash pages get updated and updated and updated. Somebody's doing that oh, work, yeah. so good for you all. And then the players, and then the commentators, and then the TOs. TOs, for some TOs. reason, love taking on a lot of personal risk to put on super cool events. So good for TOs. It's great to talk to those people too. And then for you, in the more in the business of storytelling, it's going to be someone. It may not be Samox. I mean, I did enjoy Metagame. It's not the same as the Smash Brothers documentary, but I think a lot of that has to do with nostalgia and mm -hmm. and maybe perhaps too much anticipation on my part because I knew about the sequel ever since I watched the original one. <laughs> I was like, hoo-hoo. Uh, it's, it's hard. It's like, I guess, somebody out there who sees Avatar 2 will feel the same way as what some people <laughs> felt about Metagame. It just took too yeah. long to come out, and there's too much buildup, I guess, and suspense. And you go, it's going to be like even better than the original. And I waited, I guess Avatar came out in 2009, and I didn't like it personally, but some people loved it, so they'll be disappointed mm -hmm. probably when the second one comes out, I guess, in 10 years or something. I don't know. So Understandable. Yeah. For, for you, getting to do the storytelling stuff, you're already doing what I would consider to be a very, very admirable, respectable amount of work in that field. And yet I'm curious if you feel like there's more that you can do even now. And please use this opportunity to talk about how you're doing freelance editing. 
where do you want to continue to take this now that you're out of film school, you are chilling in Australia, living large, doing all that stuff? Uh, well, first of all, that was a great segue. Good job. Thank you very much. Um, but I, I, I'm, that's actually kind of an interesting question because I've kind of been, so I, I do want to do like media level jobs and like free, like freelance, not just free, stay freelance forever, for sure. Right. Um, I'm doing edit. I'm doing editing like this now because that was what I was found to be good at. I I was not in 2017. Basically, what it was when I first went to uni. I went to uni for a year. I'd been to a couple of tournaments. No one knew who I was in Australia, which is fair. I was bad. It's fine. End of 2017. I'm like, I live next to an editing lab. I'm also part of a Smash community. I think two and two makes four. So I, sn I started sneaking into the labs every night past because uh, the, they, they're supposed to shut the doors at 11. And I kind of just stayed in one of the editing booths until they shut off all the lights. And then I turned them back on. And then I continued to edit through the wow, night wow, wow. Until, until, oh God, um, Sunburn, if you hear this, um, I, I'm sorry. I, it's, it, I didn't do anything, I swear. I'm not Sorry. saying that I stayed there until 3 a.m., but I'm also saying I did not not stay there till 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> True. Um, but anyway, it's through that that I made my first edit, which is the 2017 PR uh, video. So originally, it wasn't storytelling. It was just seeing what I could do on a computer, right? And it turned out what I made, the 2017 PR. Like, no one asked me to do it, and no one expected me to do it. And when it came out, I kind of kept thinking to myself, oh, I don't, I hope I'm not stepping on any toes if they have an official editor or anything, but they, they, they didn't, it's chill. But um, by the time it came out, everyone was just like, oh, this is a really cool video. I would go to my next tournament and Fringe PR Falcon, a really, really cool guy called Syndicus, um, he looked at me and says, hey, I know you, you're the combo video guy. <laughs> and I, I don't know how to explain this. To have, to have no one know who you are and then the next tournament you go to, you're the combo video guy. I don't think he knows how much those words mean to me. Mm -hmm. Because like in that one moment, I suddenly felt like I have identity. I want to keep doing this. Right. And 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 that's what I became. Like every year ever since I've made three PR videos now and then COVID has struck, so I haven't been able to make the last couple. Uh, but ever since then, it's like it's through the PR videos that I became good at editing. And through that, like because now I'm good at I'm better at editing. I'm sure there's there's definitely a lot of people that are still way better than me. I can't do most of the stuff that a lot of people do. But by becoming better, I'm getting more opportunities. And so I don't know. How do you explain to a complete outsider of Smash that because I play a video game, I'm approaching a media level of editing? Like, how do you explain that? I, I, I love the energy that this video game and the community gives because it it blasts you forward into, like, whatever you want to do you, that energy you take it with you wherever you go um it's a bit of a sidetrack i guess where i'm where i'm headed now obviously i'm st i'm right now i'm actually just doing a bar job just kind of waiting on like trying to save money during covid and doing this freelance editing on the side which is why i'm really glad alston melee gave me a shot it's through alston melee that i got the like I got in contact with like Gimmer and stuff. And I was like, in the back of my head, I told you before that little gap between spectator and what's on screen. I'm like, oh my God, Gimmer, I'm talking to Gimmer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was, it was, it was an interesting experience. Um, 
but through like it's through that that I finally have a place. Now I'm trying to make my own content that's not just documentaries. I think I would be nice to be considered for more serious form content because in Australia there's a couple of people that are already good enough at editing that they make good skits. Um, there's a guy on on Twitter. I think it's Skip SSBM, like S K I P. He's he was he edited all of Sora's skits and ah. uh, for Summit. Yeah, he like before you know for his campaign, right, he edited right. everything there. And nice. he's really good at timing. He's really good at his own brand of storytelling. But he's he's really in tune with the what I call the Australian humor, right? The brand yes. of humor that you may get out of Sora's existence. <laughs> um, that's he's really good at picking up on that. I'm maybe I'm a bit of an outsider. I'm more into like serious form content. Right. Um, which is why I'm trying to branch out. I'm I'm actually planning to do like random videos that like anyone in the Smash community would be able to click on. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm about to I'm about I'm trying to arrange a video right now where I teach VTubers how to play melee for the first time. Did you cut off there? Uh no, that's oh. that was literally just the next thing that I have and it's when I said it, I realized how ridiculous that sounds. No, it doesn't sound ridiculous. <laughs> there are VTubers who have gotten into Melee who are trying it out. I mean, Firepuff12 is friends with basically all the VTubers, so shout-outs. True. Yeah. Um, shout-outs to Firepuff12. Firepuff12 is a, a creature on the interwebs that just seems so friendly. I don't know. Like, even if you don't know him, he just exudes this vibe. I, I, if, if Firepuff12 is, like, listening to this at any point, I don't know if you even know me, but you're real. You're real as fuck, bro. Oh, sorry. Uh, shout outs to Firepuff12. Shout outs to the Fire Nation Discord server. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Um, yeah. So I guess I guess that's where I'm at right now. I really enjoy when people get that spark. It's it's cool to have funny content. It's cool to have skits. It's cool to have Australian null, right? I love that stuff, but what I really want is for someone to watch a video, if, if it's mine, that would be nice, of just about Smash that just says, wow, <laughs> I thought these were just nerds playing video games, but you know what? These are nerds with a cause. Also crying tears of sadness or tears of joy, like the, uh, the, the, real, the real moving stuff. You know, there are legitimate forms of entertainment like a Marvel mm -hmm. Cinematic Universe movie where everybody's going like, ha, 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 oh, this is fun, this is fun. But then mm -hmm. there's the Batman where Ludwig gets set on fire for saying, it's not funny, I know, go, ha, ha, it's not funny. And and yeah. everybody's you know saying you are literally the worst person to ever exist because you don't get it, you don't get noir Batman or, or however you, you want to phrase it. it. But it's true. Both forms are legitimate. And yes, maybe maybe there's a certain amount of appeal that one might have versus the other. But I mean, okay, so mm -hmm. let's see. The Prestige by Christopher Nolan. Great movie. Oh, that's that not movie. for everybody. But I really like that movie because there's something that's happening besides explosions and superhero fights. Not that I'm a Absolutely. sophisticated film nerd person. I, I wouldn't mm -hmm. say that, but I always like stories that are not trying to keep you entertained and docile for two hours. There's like something more oh, to yeah. it. Yeah. I I really I really love this concept of like different forms of storytelling actually. Sure. Um so I'm sure you can tell by my profile picture that was drawn by my best friend. Uh I'm a bit of an anime nerd. 
right? And so there's, there's one, and I won't go on about this too long, but there is one that I enjoy by surprise, a really old one called Bakuman, right? And it is about two middle schoolers, literal middle schoolers, who want to enter the manga industry. They, they want to draw manga and draw, want to draw stories. And they, they grow a lot through the art of like trying to find out what the masses want, what, what people really enjoy about stories. I really enjoy that kind of thing because, well, on top of that literally happening before my eyes when I watch that, it also kind of hits home that it's like battles are not the only way to do things. Uh, like action and chase scenes are cool, but they're not all there is. Like... I really enjoyed the prestige because it you can feel the tenseness between two human beings, but you never it's not like they ever once throw fists at each other. Not you don't until, need... Oh late spoilers. <clears throat> Sorry. I pretend oh, I didn't yeah, say anything. <laughs> no one said no one said anything. No one said anything. It's chill. But but like it's a, it's about the struggle between two men, right? And no no I won't go further than that. But you don't you don't you don't need to see people throwing batarangs at each other. Or whatever to get the tension between them i love that so much right and i think with smash it's it's kind of at a really interesting crossroads i don't know you've probably seen this in your time kind of like on the sidelines in the smash community people get invested people hate each other over a video game sometimes like it's not it's not it's not always reaching that level but even the hate is kind of like rivalry hate or it's just like i don't like how you play the game and that's good enough reason for me to dislike you in tournaments that happens that's how invested people get and, and yeah. i it's it's ridiculous it's actually like th this new form of uh in the last few years kind of having to respect every play style it, it certainly makes for a more positive environment uh, but i don't think there's anything wrong with getting mad at someone for your own sake you know like you, you you fight this one freaking guy in tournament who plays Fox and all he does is like laser camp you for 20 minutes and then up smash you at like 100% and you're just dead and you're just, oh, I hate this guy. I can't beat this guy. Right. But that's what makes you, that's, I love competition and I love melee because it's taught me this, that you can't ban something because you hate it. You just, it's, it's literally like life. Someone is an asshole you don't get to ban them. You don't get to yell at it until it goes away. You gotta find a way to deal. And that's, I don't know, just finding stuff like that, applying to real life is so satisfying in, a, in like a really core kind of way. That's why I'm sad they took away wobbling. And why they're, the, the discourse around controllers to a certain extent makes sense to oh. me. But I also feel like it's someone's trying to tell me that they don't want to have to think about how someone's using a controller that is allegedly easier. It doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter <laughs> because no. you need to need to figure out how to press buttons better yourself, figure out the nooch better. You have to continue <laughs> to do film study and to look at the way that you play yourself and realize, Oh, I have a really bad habit out of always double jumping as soon as I can when I'm recovering and mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what controller the other person's using, what character the other person's using, what stage you're on. If they can call out a habit like that, oh, maybe I should probably not double jump as soon as I can when recovering every time. And then you yeah. start to get better. It's a slow step-by-step -step process. And like, you know, more going into the game here. But um, I, I, I read a webtoon called The Boxer, right? And it has a line in it where 
um, you know, everyone who's put effort into anything will look back on their like time getting better. Like it's a freaking Rocky montage, mm. right? Oh, I remember all those hours practicing ledge dashes. I remember uh, getting my first short hop double fair as Marf. I don't know, something like that. Everyone looks so fondly upon it. But anyone who's actually put time into it will know the line from this webtoon. Effort is a very cold, static thing. Like you, you it, it's not a montage. It doesn't feel exhilarating. It's you're sitting alone in a room of a questionable brightness level and you are practicing this one thing until your hands hurt and you're and it's it's painful and it's boring and it's monotonous. But then you the, the payoff is when you go to your next tournament and you pull it off and you're not not only did I pull it off, I implemented it. I did it correctly. I did that ledge dash and I didn't just do it because I could. I did it because it was the best option in that scenario and I pulled something off out of it. That's when it hits you. Before you before you get to that point, it is not fun. It's really, really not fun. But I don't know. I, I think there's its own deeper satisfaction from practicing something that you that doesn't give you an instant payoff, that isn't a story game that instantly rewards you with a cutscene, you know? <laughs> So, why aren't you a good player yet, Takano? Because <laughs> I'm dog shit. No, I'm good. I, I, I don't know what it is, dude. Like, I, I, the people in my scene will literally kind of like roll their eyes at me when I say this. Uh, but when I first started, for the first, because I, I technically started in 2017, and I would say like I didn't really start competing until 2018. Um, I. I used to, when I first started competing, I would practice my because I play Marf. I would practice my Marf chain grabs on spaces an hour a day, every single day, for the entire year. I still can't do chain grabs. I still I still miss my pivots. I still like I, like I'll I'll take my eye off the percentage, and then I realize oh sh I shouldn't have up tilted there. That was that was a that was a short hop up air. I don't I don't know. It's it it's irritating. And I'm not, I'm not going to make excuses. I, I think I'm not practicing the correct way. And I think I'm not practicing in, the, in, a, in a mindful enough way. So until then, it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll patch it up with like a Calvar coaching session or something. But Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, coaching. Because that, I feel like that really helps to have a different perspective on what you're doing, especially from someone who is a level or two higher than you because they can <laughs> help you connect mm -hmm. the dots. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there, there are people in this in this scene, and again, this goes, you know, coming back to the people in the scene, right? They're so kind. Like, <laughs> yeah, you too, you too. You can, you no, can, no, you I can... said the people. I just mouthed it. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> For the audio listeners, was, I'm thought, trying to make. I thought you were trying to take some credit. <laughs> no, no, dude. I'm just, yeah, you know, okay. I'm just chilling. I'm just chilling. I'm not helping anybody get yeah. better. <laughs> Nah, you're 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 helping people stay invested, and I think that's really important during this time in Slippy because pe people aren't always at like Slippy is too convenient, man. I I love <laughs> Slippy so much, and I'm not I'm not trying to criticize it. It's a brilliant product, like Slippy Online. I should clarify, um, but it's different, isn't it? I don't know if you yeah. felt this vibe over the last few years. It's a really different vibe. Discourse seems a little bit almost political. Like it's it's like it, I'm right. No, I'm right. And I'm like, who cares who's right? What what's what's the way forward, right? But I don't know. People don't want to talk about that. People want to be right. I don't know. I, it, the I feel important like people want to be right. I would say, without being too <laughs> pessimistic about it, I think 
it would be great to have a unification of some kind, either by TOs or top players, but everybody sort of wants to be on their own timing and their own, their own agenda, which makes sense from a human perspective. In a community mm-hmm. perspective, it's probably not as healthy, especially long-term, but it is what it is. And I would say that there's a lot of, I call them anime profile picks, and I'm not making fun of you <laughs> when I say that, that there are a lot of people who wouldn't necessarily show their face in a tournament, but are contributing mm. to the discourse and acting as if they have stakes in all oh, of this, yeah. that there's they have something dramatic and want to make a big point and get all the Twitter likes or all the Instagram hearts or all the TikTok thumbs up or something. <laughs> I'm not on TikTok, yeah. but what I'm trying to say is they're trying to get involved and everybody else like hugs or like, or like Leffen or Hungrybox or Mango any mm-hmm. of the people who you are familiar with seeing at tournaments, they turn around or IBDW and they say, wait, what's going on? Or Patty, if yeah. you get Patty to rant about anything, you'll understand that Patty's talking from a perspective of someone who puts on tournaments, especially in the mm-hmm, past, mm-hmm. but still every now and again in the present. So woohoo. And you realize he's coming from a place of wanting to make the community better. But there are people who, yes, who probably aren't as invested in, the community as they may be more invested in themselves. But that w- that is what happens when you get to a large enough scale. I think it's great that Slippy brings in a lot of new players, but I would say there's probably a fair amount of us that are out there who haven't actually gone to an in-person tournament but are participating in online tournaments. I, I am curious about what that number would be, but I suspect it's it it's not an insignificant number. I'll just put it that way. It's definitely larger now than it has been in the past. Right. Really, yeah. I mean, look, how many people off of like, let's say my little VTuber video pops off, and all their audience started looking at it, and they're like, "Wow, this is the old Smash. It's really, it's 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 a cool game." And they start picking it up. I don't know how many of those people are going to actually enter their tournaments, but I do know at least like a larger number of them will probably be sitting at home saying, "Hey, Slippy is cool," and that's fine. And actually, you know, there are two sides to the coin, right? On one hand, obviously, there's this more pessimistic side where it's like they want to have a voice. And and these people have kind of, we've always known this has been around. Um, you know how Turn you know Turn Down for Wall? Oh, I love Turn Down for Wall. He's a friend of the program and I am a regular on his Discord. So shout out to Turn Down for Wall. And be sure to check out turndownforwalt.com for the sickest and latest <laughs> merch in the game on the scene. There you go, Ventus. There you go, Walt. Love you guys. Please continue, Ticano. Abs- absolutely that. And, and you know, shout out to that guy. I, I, I found, I- even in 2017, that PR video that I was talking about earlier, he left a comment on that when it has less than 1,000 views. And I'm like, I don't know how he found it or where he found it, but serious shout out to that guy. Anyway, why I bring him up is because Kony reacted to his Apex 2015 story video. Mm. And he brought up a really good point. And if this so- tell me if this sounds familiar. <clears throat> when the Apex shit went down, and everyone was panicking and everyone's in that big hotel room trying to discuss what do we do? Where do we go? Right? Because the hotel just collapsed. Kony says there was a lot of people that wanted to be in the room and just be on their phones and just and, and just be like tweeting to people or whatever and just like, oh yeah, this is what's happening in the room, guys. Like like little journalists or something. The amount of people, the that ratio of people to people who are actually doing something and trying to figure out what do we do about the venue, how do we find a venue, right? Is Huge. And I think that's literally the same thing happening now. So many people want to be in the room and almost none of them want to do anything in it. That's what I'm, that's what, that's what I think is happening now. 
but but again there's the other there's the other like more positive side of the sleepy coin which is more obvious i i live in west australia in perth right so i'm 12 hours away from you uh it's a smaller scene here and i there are not that many locals we're trying to change that now a, a local happened last year in i want to say maybe october maybe september i went there and there's this chic player with long hair his name is tri clyde and he is on my level if not beating my ass <laughs> like i hate chic dude i'm not gonna talk about that but anyway <laughs> that's right as a North player but it's 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 whatever actually i'm learning more about it thanks for calvary lessons anyway not I'm, I'm sidetracking why i bring him up is because i say dude what's your tag he says my name's tri clyde i'm like oh i've seen you on the discord he says yeah, uh, you wouldn't have seen me at tournaments because this is my first local. And and I, I literally took a wow. step back. And I was like, I, I literally, because like, we were, it was, a, it was a, it's a tiny tournament. We didn't have enough chairs. I was literally standing and I took a literal step back in real life and said, this is your first tournament. Let me tell you, I got fifth at that tournament and so did he. Oh my gosh. Very nice. Like, it actually blew my mind oh, and I was nice. like, oh, oh my God. Like a literal slippy kid who's been playing for the last year just got fifth place. And the guy's still rising, dude. He's still, I'm 99% sure he's already better than me. And and he's one of those people that makes me feel like somewhat insecure. I'm just like, <laughs> God damn, these kids are something else. That like, reminds I me of that like, story. Somebody was posting this about Riptide. Somebody was teaching their opponent how to do rock paper scissors and strike stages and then the person mm -hmm. he was teaching beat him in the in the in the pool set oh no I, that was feels bad man but i totally understand it. it's a mixed feeling uh it's like you teaching michael jordan how to shoot a basketball and then yeah. and then you play michael jordan <laughs> not this not quite the same but you get it you're like oh yeah you want to play wow you're really tall you've never played you've never played Okay. All right. Yeah. Sure. Well, this is how you do it, and then he like dunks on you. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. There's there's a there's a old web series uh, that I have a guilty pleasure of watching, even though I know it's kind of bad. Called VGHS Video Game High School. Uh, it's an old it's an old web series. It's it's like a Freddie Wong thing, right? Oh, okay. And yeah. and Jimmy Wong, Freddie Wong's brother, Jimmy Wong, is in that in that series as an actor, and there's a scene in it where he's being taught how to Photoshop something. And that scene cracks me up so hard every time. Jimmy Wong is better than, I want to say, 99.5% of the internet is at Photoshop. And it's so just the idea that someone's Photoshopping how to like put a pixel face on a Tamagotchi is so funny to me. I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like literally the same vibe where you're just like, oh, you don't, you don't know how stage striking works? Okay, and the guy makes like third place or some shit. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's funny. It's it's a wild time. It's a wild time to be in Smash, and I think it's absolutely a time to capitalize on trying to get people in, uh, because as as bad you know as pessimistic as we make it sound, oh, all these people on the sidelines that don't want to contribute anything, but they talk shit online. At the end of the day, there's going to be maybe ten percent, maybe even less that actually enter tournaments, but that's worth it. I think that's worth it. I think I think getting even just one more person. Straight up, like in my in my uh, in my documentary, um, one of the guys I interview, he's he's a TO in South Australia oh. called KP Kaiser, super cool guy, and you can literally see him tearing up 
in in my documentary like he, he you can hear it in his voice his voice starts breaking and i knew i had to include it in the video because it's such a raw powerful emotion when he's just how he sums it up why are we all doing this why are we all playing melee why we keep doing all these like ridiculous things tos are taking six figure losses shout outs to genesis just to run tournaments it's because we want to see one more person experience something that we have and and it's a really basic thing to want to do to share that joy with other people and i think i think that's valid and you make the 10 percent smaller you make the one or two percent of people who get to experience that moment for the first time Mm-hmm. Sorry, you make the 10% bigger. You make the 1% <laughs> bigger. You make the amount of people who experience that for the first time bigger. And mm-hmm. you'll eventually get lifers, you know. I am not doing this podcast. There's probably not a ton of people who would notice, right? But then <clears throat> I am in this now, and now I'm doing it. So mm-hmm. now people get to choose from a handful of other podcasts to listen to if they want to listen to a Melee-themed podcast. There's a lot of great ones. There's more than I think there are at a given time, actually. It's very funny. I'll try to name all of them, but I'll always forget the one, and then I'll regret it afterwards. So I'm not going to start <laughs> name-dropping, but you know who you are. It's always, it's always fun when you get somebody to understand why we're doing all of this, and then they start to do that with other people, too is capturing the passion for a game and a community around that game where really cool things happen, where a lot of cool collaborations happen, where you can learn and grow a skill if you want to, where you can buy really cool, sick merch. Again, turned on for walt.com. But like you can, you can do all kinds of things within melee. I love just about all the forms of self-expression that people can find. Even if you are just modding controllers and putting Mm -hmm. cool paint, designs on it seriously you could think and you wouldn't be able to find the limits of where you can go when you get into this game absolutely and you know uh, you know we've gone back a lot in this conversation i think uh but i really can't explain how much everything links into each other like melee is a video game you play it on your sticks it's, it's like you it's like you said it brings you everywhere, right? The the energy, the mentality, everything that you learn in this game, you take forward with you and it makes you a little bit different. And I think just thinking that's something that I think we built, like, yeah, like good old Uncle Ninty gave it to us, but this is not the same game that they gave it to that they gave to us in 2001. Everything that we've built from the ground up changes people. And I think that's more than enough reason to keep doing it. For sure. 100% agree. I also love, by the way, speaking of callbacks, because we're going to start to get in the direction of wrapping up, but we're not done yet, is how your formulative moment was not when Sora's teaching you how to dash dance and you're like, oh my gosh, this is Sora. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It's when yeah. someone says to you, you're the combo video guy. I love that. Oh yeah. I love that. That's so cool. But you technically have two really cool moments. You know, how cool would it be? If I guess if I go to pound, so I'm going to pound this year mm-hmm. in the, towards the end of April. If I somehow had a moment, I guess, where Mewtwo King or Axe or somebody, I guess Zane, that would be a likely person to be there, walks up to me mm-hmm. and is like, no, you're doing it wrong. Here's how you do it. And takes 10 minutes to show me how to do something oh in melee. God. Like, I'd yeah. be like <laughs> dying. And I would also be trying to figure out the coolest, most nonchalant, the least cringy way to say, 
do you, do you do you want to come on my podcast? <laughs> Dude, I don't I don't I I think you'll accept you accept this very quickly in the media industry and and being like now having graduated and done a couple of things, I've I've been forced to learn this. The the less shame you have in a public setting, generally speaking, the better off you are. Cause it's like you hear you hear some wild things. You, you know how that you hear that story about Kingdom Hearts, where how it all started was Disney exec and Square Enix exec are in an elevator, and one starts pitching to the other, literally in an elevator. Like that happens all the time in film, which is nuts. Like, like, can you imagine going to the toilet and just being like, "Hey, I have an idea for this film." <laughs> like, <laughs> like the worst part is that's happened, and a lot of a lot of. Um, really famous producers and really famous directors have stories of this where people approach them in the bathroom and they're like, mate, wrong time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, can we, can we not do this while I'm literally peeing? <laughs> you just, you just keep, you just keep firing all the arrows in your quiver. You'll eventually hit something. Yeah. Is that kind of what you, what, what yeah. you feel like is a, is a, is an okay way to go for it it is, and I think what you'll find very quickly is it, I think you'll be surprised. Maybe you won't have a Zane or a Mewtwo King or you know the top competitors. Maybe they'll be too busy. Maybe they'll be you know practicing or something. But even if it's not, even if it's not them, it only takes one guy like that you kind of respect or you kind of know, and it's just like I've been seen, and not only have I been seen, they know me, they value me. You know, I, 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 it's so hard to overstate this. As soon as someone knows you, you have your place. And let, and let me tell you, like, whether or not people recognize you or your face yet, I'm sure they will. You're, you know, going to be famous, I'm sure. But whether or not you get there, people already see you. At least I, I, can, ex I can speak from my experience. I half didn't know your podcast. I knew it was there. But it's always in the peripherals, right? And then I start seeing your name pop up more and more. And I'm like, that's the guy that hosts the BSM podcast. Like, you're already, you're already kind of getting there. And I think you have your place. And I'm sure once you hit, start hitting locals and people start hitting like majors and stuff, people are going to know you there too. And I think that's going to be a really important moment. Takana, thank you for the kind words of encouragement. <laughs> I didn't bring you onto the podcast and maybe I shouldn't have talked about myself, but dang it, that was awesome. <laughs> No, no worries, dude. I just think everyone, everyone's going to have that moment. The moment that it happens, you're hooked and there's no leaving. You can't escape. There's no turning back. Hey, let's do a refrigerator raid. I did not forget this. We have to do this. <laughs> Let me describe sure. to you what I made. Um, it's, this, was, this was two months-ish ago now, but I still remember it very mm -hmm. clearly. Mm -hmm. I was at my, uh, my, my parents' house and there's, there's an everything bagel in the in the fridge so okay i take the everything bagel and then i find guac i put the guac on then i find mm -hmm. a patty a yeah. salmon patty and i cook that and put that on then i put a slice of cheese on top of that and then i think uh. i top it off with mayonnaise yeah very, very odd mixture of things, but I thought it was very delicious. Your thoughts? No, that's that's not that's not strange at all, dude. I think people should try more shit in food. I, I I get I get I have cracked opinions. I think literally people have looked at me and said, "Are you actually insane when when, when you try certain food combos?" 
And right, your turn. All, your turn. Your me. turn. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for making me hungry. By the way, it's nine fifteen. Uh, no, but it's your turn. <laughs> uh, what have you made recently that was like, oh yes, my new concoction. This will this will take over the world someday. Not not new. This is. I feel like you're going to judge me super hard and I will not blame oh, you. Oh, this is the Takano. This is the Takano. So the Takano special is... Yes, oh, please no. go ahead. I don't want to be known by this, but I've <laughs> actually tried vanilla ice cream with balsamic vinegar on it. No, okay. See, I know where you're coming from with this because you're talking about taking something that is... Let's admit, let's, let's admit this. Vanilla ice cream is, is good by itself, but this is a base kind of a flavor and it's a base mm-hmm. thing to put other stuff on top of. A lot of people use vanilla for their own selfish mm-hmm. means. And I do treat vanilla ice cream with the respect it deserves. But what you're talking oh. about is you're talking about taking something that's capable of complementing and supporting many, many things. It's like wearing mm-hmm. black. Obviously, a lot of colors go with black. And you're now going to put something super zany onto it. And you decide, wait a minute, combining these two things actually does something for me. So even though I would never put balsamic vinegar on vanilla ice cream myself, I understand where you're coming from. Unironically, <laughs> thanks for spinning that so kindly, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but unironically, I, I think I think there's actual science to this, right? And I'm not I'm not I don't quote me on this. I'm pretty sure there's a there's a thing because balsamic vinegar is technically made from fruit. Uh, something in the cream of the vanilla ice cream actually makes it kind of like a fruit it t- t- literally tastes like a fruit syrup it's really good anyway i'm not gonna i'm not gonna harp on about it too much longer that's I the takano that to be my, i i really don't want that to be what i'm known for like know me for my documentaries don't know me for my balsamic <laughs> vinegar on vanilla ice cream. i promise i won't post this tw- this this to twitter this will not be the twitter clip how about that thank god thank oh my god please don't do that like if that's my if that's my one moment in the spotlight because let's be real a lot of people watch the twitter clip more than the youtube video sometimes yes that's my moment in the sunshine (laughs) and they just hear me vanilla ice cream and balsamic vinegar i'm it's over for me dude my my content's gone (laughs) (laughs) getting canceled off of a food opinion no it's impossible see people will talk and be super like whoa What's this guy's story? He has a story because somehow <laughs> he tried this. So how do you get there? And we won't we won't hear it because for the people who want to know, we'll just have to have Takano on again at some point in the future. But yes, to start and to truly start to get the direction of closing up, please tell the people yeah. where they can find you. Are you open for commissions? <laughs> I am currently i'm actually i've actually just finished my latest project so i am open for commissions for video editing commissions again um interesting you go by media i do go on media like media rates so i'm sure uh to your average layman or whatever i might be a little pricey but please try and check me out i do i do promise i try really hard i spend weeks to months on every edit that i make uh you can find me at takano writes on twitter i'm sure that's linked already like you can see it on my on the screen um and you can find me, Takano Writes is also my YouTube channel where you can find uh, documentaries, PR videos, and hopefully soon more content like teaching VTubers to play Smash. That's going to be interesting, I hope. Yep, you can have a video like that in your inbox a month or two from now because you're not going to get a bad edit. You're going to get a well-carefully constructed, semi-expensive edit. That's what we can mm-hmm. find with you, Takano. I love that. Don't, don't undervalue yourself. I appreciate that, man.
And then from there, I guess to wrap this up, I guess the last question will be something that I don't usually ask, but what's your favorite color? Blue. Don't even have to think about it. I, I, I'm so basic. I'm so it's, it's whatever. My best friend fights me on this all the time. My profile pictures died in purple because she likes purple better, but blue is master race. You'll never, you'll, you'll never convince me otherwise. Takana, thank you so much for joining me on Bottom of the Smash Mountain. It was a great pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me.